Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I'm going to finish the sermon series today uh, that I started a while back called The Kingdom Around the Corner. Um, how, how many of you have been learning a little bit from the kingdom around the corner? Anybody been getting connected with God? That's awesome. So I've been talking about the kingdom of God. That's, that's the kingdom. It's not the kingdom of America. It's the kingdom of God, uh, which is a spiritual kingdom, by the way. It's not a, a particular church or denomination. It is, it is something that we enter into here on earth, but we enter it, it's, it's within us, it's within our hearts. And so I've been trying to talk more and more, uh, get more and more specific, narrow down even greater to greater degrees, exactly what it is to live in the kingdom. And so last week I talked about um, the Holy Spirit, the person. Um, let's see, I, I, I had three P's going on. You had the person, let's see if anybody paid attention. Does anybody pay attention? Anybody remember the three? You had the person and the, I already said it once with Nintendo, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of that power. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He brings power into your life, and that power has a purpose. And so if you missed it, you can get online and listen to the podcast. But, but I want to continue and, and just finish the kingdom around the corner and talk about the fact that in the, that in the kingdom, this is where we participate in something called spiritual warfare. Uh, Roe asked me what I was going to preach about on Mother's Day. I said, I'm going to talk about spiritual warfare. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of her response. She was like, on, on Mother's Day? Mother? Well, hey, moms are fighters, right? You got it. You don't, you, mom's got some, some grit inside of them. And man, moms are some of the, the greatest spiritual warriors I've ever known. Uh, the spiritual warfare, because it's not about physical muscle. Uh, the, the kind of warfare that you and I are engaged in, which, by the way, you are in a war, uh, whether you know it or not. Uh, you don't get an option. Uh, we don't, when, when another country declares war on you, you can't say, well, no, I don't want to do that. You know? And what, what's happened is the kingdom of darkness has declared war on the kingdom of light. And uh, really, if you don't want to be in war, then um, I, I don't know what to tell you. This is just this is the reality. And so the best thing that I know to do with regard to spiritual warfare is to learn about the weapons that we have in the kingdom of God, that God gives us weapons to fight the spiritual warfare. Now, I know um, sometimes uh, churches talk about spiritual warfare and they get talking about demons and, and encounters with demons. And many times people say, oh, that's just spooky and it doesn't relate to anyone's life. But man, I'll tell you what, I, in, in our small group this week we we just opened up has anybody had any demonic encounters and like so many people in our small group and I think in other small groups around City Chapel have actually had demonic encounters of some kind whether it's demonic dreams or visions or or a presence or a choking uh, like a, 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 a pushing down or an oppression or a cold sense of fear uh, so many people it, we don't we don't want to talk about it but it is happening because the kingdom of darkness has declared war in the kingdom of light. And so we are in a battle. We are not in a playground. We are in a battleground. Uh, you, got, you got to understand, I'm not saying that to scare you, but I'm just saying that many of you have had these experiences. And so I want to talk to those experiences, and I want to talk to the power of God 
uh, within the kingdom, resident within the kingdom for each and every one of these kinds of experiences. Um, and, and really for, for us to walk in victory in our lives. And so there are, there are two basic weapons that we have that I want to talk to you about. And uh, of course, they both start with A. Um, and so my, my first one is that we have authority. Authority is the first weapon that we have in the kingdom of God. Now, if you're not in the kingdom of God, you can come into the kingdom of God today. It is around the corner. It's available to you. When you put your faith in Jesus, you step into, you begin to step into the kingdom of God. And uh, some of the things I talked about last week, about the Holy Spirit, about having a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit as your friend, this also brings you into the kingdom of God. The week before that, I talked about tithing, um, which also is a part of the kingdom of God. This is a part of intimacy with God. You say, well, no, 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 that's, that's, that's just my money. That's different. No, man, you, you'd be surprised at how connected your physical things are to your spiritual things and vice versa, how connected your spiritual things are to your physical things. And it is 20th century, 19th century America that sort of tried to divide those things. But anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 tells us that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, but we have weapons, and these weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. In other words, they're not ones that you can see. Um, for, my, for, for, for my sister's party, uh, we went up for, for her wedding shower, and uh, the guys did something on the night before the girls did something. And so the guys, we went to an axe-throwing um, place, which, 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 which was awesome, you know. And I said, man, I'm ready for the zombie apocalypse now because I can... You know, as so long as I have a lot of time and I have my stance right and they're exactly seven and a half feet away, I can get the spin, you know. But if they move or anything, I mean, you know, I don't know. But, man, I mean, it's going right there uh, sometimes. Uh, but that's not the weapons that we're talking about. The weapons of this warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful. They are powerful from another kingdom, divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Or uh, I think the King James says strongholds. It's a, it's a fortress that, 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 that an enemy will set up within another person's territory. And so you, you may not know this, but man, throughout your life, starting at early childhood, the enemy has set up some strongholds in your heart. And it's not, it's not your parents' fault. It's not your mom's fault, Mother's Day. It's not, it's not mom's fault. It's not dad's fault. It's the, the enemy has been trying to, to, to get a hook inside of you to set up a territory, set up a building inside of your heart, inside of your territory, from which he will attack you and then retreat. That's what a stronghold is. Uh, and you cannot drive him out of the stronghold. But what this scripture says is that the weapons of our warfare, because the greatest warfare that we're talking about is not the war out there. It's the war right here. And man, if we could defeat the enemy right here, right here and then right here, we would, we, you would know what freedom is. You would know what it is to live in the kingdom of God. Uh, so, so, so we're not we're not out to change politics. We're not out to build big buildings. We're not out to gather a bunch of people in in in, in circles. We are here to have victory right here in 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 our hearts. 
And so for me as a pastor, it would be a success if every person in here entered into the kingdom of God. If we didn't, if we didn't grow one more person, if, if our guest contest completely flopped and you guys completely failed at guest contest, <laughs> I'm putting it all on you. Uh, if you but, you know, even if, even if you're awful at, get, at bringing guests, man, if, if, if God sets up his kingdom inside of your heart, I will have succeeded as a pastor. Because my job is not to fill a building. My job is to see the kingdom of God come in your hearts and the hearts of those little kids over there and the hearts of the even smaller kids over there. That's why we don't babysit kids. That's why we teach them about the kingdom of God so that they can win this war right here. Because you win this battle, you win this battle, and you are set for that battle out there. But if you... Yeah, so, so this is what we want. We want victory right here. Well, this is, this is how you get it. There are fortresses set up. There's a, there's a war going on between, between your chest and between your ears. There's a war going on inside of you, and there are weapons to defeat that. And the first weapon is the weapon of authority, that God has given us um, authority. And there's several places in Scripture where, especially in the New Testament, where, where Jesus lets us know that he is giving us authority to do stuff. And so I have a few Scriptures here. Luke um, chapter 10, verse 17 number one tells us about 72 men that Jesus recruited and when, and he sent them out two by two right and when they came back they returned with joy and said Lord even the demons submit to us in your name even the demons submit to us in your name so the name of Jesus brings authority over demonic powers you have to understand this that is, it is the name of Jesus that brings authority over demonic power. So if you have those demonic experiences that we talked about, those dreams of choking, the uh, I had one time where I was staying over at a friend's house, and I was sleeping in this room that I'd never slept in before, and this red cloud just came in over my bed and just hovered over my bed, and I started to feel it pressing down on me. What did I do? I called out in the name of Jesus and, 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 and took authority. See, the, the authority we have is over these demonic powers. We don't have to be afraid of spooky experiences. We don't have to be afraid, uh, you know, of, 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 of the conjuring. I don't watch those movies, but we don't have to be afraid of, of, of those demonic powers because in the name of Jesus, we have authority for them to submit to us. I remember my pastor, Pastor Wright, uh, he went on a mission trip one time to Africa. He was staying in this hotel and he woke up in the middle of the night and the, the bed was moving. The bed was in the air next to him. He was laying on this bed, and the bed next to him was in the air, and it was, it was moving across the room. And demonic powers trying to intimidate him. He was supposed to be preaching the next morning. One, trying to you know, keep him up all night. And uh, two, trying to intimidate him. And so he just simply said in the name of Jesus, put that down. And so the, it, it went down onto the floor. And he said, no, like put it back where it was. <laughs> so they put it back where it was. And then left because we have power. He's like, this is a spooky preacher. He's talking about crazy stuff. Man, like, no, no, even the demons are submitted to us in the name of Jesus. And so we don't have to be afraid of those things. You can tell your kids they don't have to be afraid of reoccurring nightmares. When we were starting City Chapel, man, we got, we got hit in all kinds of ways. And one of the ways was demonic uh, uh, oppression our kids started having crazy nightmares I started hearing stuff in the house and so we just began to to call on the name of Jesus and take control or authority over our sphere of influence which that by the way that is where you have authority 
You have, God has given you authority. If you're a Christian, if you've put your faith in Jesus, God has given you authority over your sphere of influence. He hasn't given you authority over other people necessarily. He's given you authority over this right here, this right here, the house that you live in, the vehicle that you drive, the family that you are connected to. Moms, you have authority over your kids. Come on, somebody. Your kids aren't running the house, okay? Just, just throwing that out there. You have authority over them, and God expects you. God has given you this authority not to rule over them, not so that they can mow the lawn for you all the time. Mom, how's it going? Uh, I'm just saying, like, the authority that you have is for influence and for the presence of God to be powerful over them, for God's will to happen on the earth. So, 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 the, so the first step is, is authority over demons. Mark 16 tells us, Jesus said, these signs will accompany those who believe. And then he goes on to tell us what they are. And he says, in my name. And that's the key. That's the beginning of the whole thing. He says, in my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. We talked about that last week. Got really crazy. They will pick up snakes with their hands. This is where there are, <laughs> there's one denomination that believes in actually bringing snakes into the church. Some of you haven't heard about that, but, but they, they read this passage and they're like, okay, well, let's see if you really have faith. And they actually bring like Tupperware boxes. I've seen it on YouTube. And they bring it in Tupperware boxes and they open it up and, 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 and you, 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 ha- you snake handle. You handle the snake. You hold the snake because Jesus said that um, they, will, they, they, was, they will pick up snakes with their hands. So there you go. But, but the truth is Jesus isn't saying that you ought to try this. Nowhere does he say that we need to we need to go out there and find snakes and pick them up because it also says they'll drink deadly poison. Like I don't remember that being a denominational thing where, all right, pass around the arsenic and let's see who survives. Like, no, this is not. But the key is it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Why? Because in the name of Jesus, if you're going about the will of Jesus and you happen to be bitten by a snake, like Paul was in the book of Acts, if you're going about the will of Jesus, you happen to drink poison, then in the name of Jesus, you can take dominion over those things, even, even dominion over, over your own body. Uh, I, I think it's time for Christians to take dominion over our bodies that when we get sick, we don't just lay back and accept it and say, oh, well, I guess that's, that's, that's my fault for not taking enough vitamins. Well, maybe it is, but maybe... God can heal you whether you're the most healthy person in the world or not. Maybe Jesus knows that you don't take enough vitamins. Maybe he loves you anyway. <laughs> Remember the ham and cheese sandwich? I told this story last time I traveled. I'd never eat ham and cheese sandwiches at airports anymore because the last one I ate, the person right in front of me who was, who was in front of me in line, she's throwing up. This other guy over here is throwing up. I start getting nauseous. And I stand up and go to the back, and I get the barf bag, you know. And as I'm standing there, I realize, wait a minute. Like, I remember this scripture. If, if you can drink poison, you know, a Detroit ham and cheese sandwich is not the worst thing that's going to enter my body. And I can take dominion over this. This does not have to affect me the way it's affecting everybody else. Because I'm a child of God. I'm in the kingdom. I have the name of Jesus and I, I ain't nobody got time for that. I'm preaching in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got something to do. I, got, I have something that God wants me to do. And so I'm taking dominion over that. 
And I'm not saying it's not for show. It's not, it's, 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 not, it's not to show everybody how spiritual you are. Jesus said, man, in my name, they will do these things. And then in Acts 3.16, Peter's explaining a healing that happens. And he says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see now is made strong. In Jesus, it is Jesus' name, he says. And the faith that comes through him that has completely healed this man, as you can all see. And so the, the name of Jesus is powerful. There's power in the name of Jesus. But there is not power. And this is something that we talked about in our small group this week. We kind of had a little debate. We said, is there, okay, so there's power in the name of Jesus. Does that mean that there's power in the speaking or the utterance of the name of Jesus? That's a tricky question because if you grew up in church, you, you, you heard the song, Say the name of Jesus, say the name. And so all you have to do, he's as close as the mention of his name. All you have to do is say it, apparently. Which is why many people feel like when they have some of these demonic encounters that there's a choking, they can't get the name out. They can't say it. And this is because the enemy knows that you've moved your faith from Jesus to your ability to say something. <laughs> And this is why he attacks your ability to say something. And we began talking about this in small group this week. And we said, well, what about people who can't talk? What about people who've lost their voice? What about people who are mute? What about people who cannot talk? Do, do they not have the power of the name of Jesus? Here's, 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 here's what I've found is that even, even when my vocal cords aren't working, <laughs> I can still, I might not be able to utter the name of Jesus, although I think you should. I mean, I, every prayer I pray, I always say in the name of Jesus because I believe that that's, that's the truth. This is how I'm entering, it's how I'm talking to the Father. But if there's some reason that you cannot utter the name of Jesus, you can still have the authority without being able to speak. You can, you can have the authority. See, this is what it means to, have, to be in the name of Jesus, okay? If I were to, say, give my, 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 my debit card, I give this to Michelle, okay, it's got my name on it. It's just an example. It's not real. But I give Michelle my debit card, and I say, Michelle, and this is what we talked about in small group. I, I, I say, Michelle, would you go down to Walmart, buy some chocolates for moms here at Mother's Day? I feel like being generous today. I want to bless all the moms. So there's my debit card. Would you go down to Walmart? And she says, sure. So she goes to Walmart in my name. She's got my card with my name on it. It's attached to my bank account. And she's doing something that I have asked her to do. Now... If I do, if the whole scenario and I, I hand her the debit card and say, would you go buy some chocolate for moms at, at Walmart? And she goes into Walmart and she says, well, yeah, we'll get some chocolate. But also, I got some groceries that I need for the week and, and I got some, you know, I'm going to buy some of this. And boy, I've always wanted a swimming pool. There's that. I mean, one, it would be declined. So that would be a bummer. But, uh, <laughs> but two, that would be illegal. What is she doing? She's stealing because she's taking my name. This is why scripture says, do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. She would be using the power, the, my name and the money attached to my name, the power attached to my name. She would be using it for her own purposes. And so what happens a lot of times in church, people say, oh, man, the power, the name of Jesus is so powerful. I've really been wanting da, 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 da. And so we start praying in the name of Jesus for all the stuff we want. But you cannot separate the name of Jesus from the will of Jesus. So simply speaking the name of Jesus doesn't bring power. It's when you are aligned with the will of Jesus that the name of Jesus is activated and actually works. 
And by the way, it's not just when you, when, when you are doing the will of Jesus. It is when you are the will of Jesus. So God's perfect will for you is not to be a robot and go around and do stuff for him. He wants to do something in you. He wants to make something inside of you. And so this is what happened in the book of Acts. There were seven guys who got a hold of the name of Jesus, and they saw how powerful it was, and they decided that they were going to, they were, they were called the sons of Sceva, uh, whoever Sceva was. I don't know. It always stuck. That name always stuck in my head. It's a cool name, Harry Sceva. That would be awesome. But anyways, the sons of Sceva decided, man, this name is power. And so they went into a house to, 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 to cast out a demon in that name. Well, the man who was possessed with a demon that demon wasn't afraid of guys who were just wheel, just saying the name. They just hashtag Jesus. You don't just tag it on the end of whatever you're talking about. Like that's not how that works. Because the demons saw that they were not they were not in the name. To be in the name of Jesus is for your, your very spirit to be enveloped in the identity of Christ. And when you have taken on, when, you have, when, when, when there's no difference between you and him, <laughs> when that line has been crossed and now you, you and him are one and your spirit is one and you're fully filled with the Holy Spirit, then, and then the enemy sees that and he says, okay, I, I have to submit to that. But these guys were not changed in here. They just learned a new a new prayer to pray, a new slogan to say. And so they walked into this thing and they thought they were just going to use the name of Jesus like some people use the crucifix, you know? It's like, it's outside of me, it's my good luck charm, I'm just going to do it. No, man, it didn't do anything. The demons like beat them up, stripped them naked. They barely got out of there alive because this demonic power didn't recognize the name. Now, they said the name, but demons aren't listening. They don't have ears. They're spirit beings. Spirit being sees spirit to spirit. This is why the authority that God gives, you, 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 you cannot have his authority without being under his authority. You have to be under his authority to use that authority. She, uh, Michelle has to receive my debit card uh, and has to hear my instructions in order to use my debit card and not go to jail, you know. <laughs> Because that's how, that's how authority works. You, you are under authority, and so it flow, the power that comes to us is not really our power. It's delegated. It's delegated from above. We receive it only for the purpose that God has given it to us for. So we have to be able to hear him. We have to be able to see him. And then finally, we have to be able to submit to him. Spiritual warfare is the only battle, it's the only war that you win by submission, by submitting you, you, you say, how do, I, how do I be a Christian for a long time? Well, this is what you do. You submit to God. Scripture says, submit to God, resist the devil. In that order, by the way. Submit to God, resist the devil. This is how you wake up in the morning. You submit to God and then resist the devil. If you try to just resist the devil, you don't have the power to do that. But when you submit to God, he's not trying to, like, dominate you and rule. The word submission has gotten such a bad rap nowadays. Uh, it, it's To submit to him is to plug into him. You know, your laptop doesn't submit to the power cord. It receives power from that cord. And so to submit is not to be dominated or oppressed or enslaved, but to submit to him is to receive his power for his purposes and to activate it in your life and to say, not my will, but your will be done, and, and to receive that, that, that heavenly debit card to swipe the things that he wants swiped in your life. 
So that's why when it comes to authority, the best thing to do in every instance is to simply ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, what do you, what do you want to do in this situation? Before you pray for healing, ask God, is this a sickness that leads to death? Because there is a sickness. Like you're going to get sick and die at some point. Like unless Jesus comes back. And even when Jesus comes back, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. And I think that's because the rest of us will be busy dying. <laughs> because you have to, the, the corruptible, I think it's in Thessalonians, says the corruptible has to put on incorruptible. So before the corruptible can put on incorruptible, the corruptible has to be corrupted. And so, you, so, so death is, is a part of the process. So some of us are going to, this year even, may have a sickness that leads to death. And it's not against the will of God that we should die. Uh, it's part of the process of regeneration. But there is a sickness that is for the glory of God. And so to ask God, Lord, is this sickness for you to get glory, for you to bring healing into my body, my life, my mind sometimes, my, my emotions? Lord, will this bring you glory? And to ask him what he's doing in that situation. Because when you find out what he wants to spend his debit card on, that's what you can take to the counter and swipe it. But if you're, if you're constantly grabbing other stuff, he's going to keep getting declined because he's only put in enough funds for what he's asked you to spend. And that's the amount of power that he's, he's put into your life. And as you're faithful with a little, then, then he starts trusting you with more and with more and with more. And there are some things that we know, that we know from his character. Sometimes I ask God what he wants to do and I don't hear anything. Uh, because I don't know, uh, he's not talking right now, or I'm busy, I'm not listening, I don't know. But there are some things that I know. I know he, he's not okay for anybody to perish, so I know he wants everyone to be saved. I know that I know he's a God who loves to heal. I know he's a God of compassion. I know he's a God of love. I know he's a God of grace and mercy. I know he's a God of justice. I know he wants justice. So sometimes with court cases, I, just, I can just pray for justice. Because I know he's a God who loves justice. That's, a, I, that's what I'm praying for. That, that, and within justice, he's glorified. Uh, anyway, so, so when you enter into spiritual warfare, always ask, Lord, what are you doing here? What do you want me to spend this, this debit card on? And then surrender to it. My second point, the second weapon we have is the weapon of agreement. So we have a weapon of authority and we have a weapon of agreement. Um, I love how Bob Hamp talked about the fact that spiritual forces, both good and evil, spiritual forces are empowered by agreement. They're empowered by agreement. Uh, and it's very, very important that, 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 that you understand that the spiritual forces, both good and evil, are empowered by human, I should say, agreement. When we agree, and I don't mean we say we agree, I just mean we agree in our heart. When we agree with a spiritual force, we are empowering that thing. And so it's so important, just, just like a sword, you can use it to wield against your enemy or you can use it on yourself. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a weapon. You got to be careful with it. Agreement is a weapon that you have to be careful with. Make sure that you're agreeing with heaven. Make sure you're agreeing with the right forces. But whenever we agree with, with, with demonic forces, whether that's with regard to temptation, whether that's with regard to depression, whether that's with regard to uh, whatever we may be facing, that empowers the demonic forces in our life. And so, and so, so to take away power is to first agree with heaven. And uh, to sort of show this, there's a scripture in, in Exodus where you have the people of God 
and they are um, being freed from Egypt. They were slaves for like 400 years, and God set them free, like one point some million people, 1.6 million people. It's like all of Austin moving out into the wilderness. And these guys are not fighters. They're not soldiers. They're just regular people, and God leads them. He leads them with this pillar of cloud and fire and, and leads them up to this massive body of water, and they can't cross the body of water. It's called the Red Sea, and they're, they're basically at a standstill. God says, okay, now we're going to camp out. So they're, they're roasting marshmallows by the fire, just hanging out. They don't know it, but back in Egypt, uh, Pharaoh has gotten his, all of his men together, all of his soldiers of Egypt, got in their finest chariots, got all of their weapons, and they're just, they've decided that they're going to make a run for, for the Israelites, and they're going to overtake them and either kill them in the desert or take them back as slaves um, to Egypt. Well, the people of Israel are just waiting on God. And it's so easy to wait on God when nothing's happening. <laughs> you know, just hanging out. Uh, where's God going to lead us? I don't know, but boy, these marshmallows are pretty good, aren't they? I tell you what, it's so much better than being slaves. Wow, look at this. And there, there's a season like, like that God just kind of hangs out. And you're just waiting on them. And you're waiting for the next direction. You're waiting for the next job. You're waiting for the next, what, after school. You're, 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 waiting for, you're, you're waiting for a direction. And it's easy to wait until they look up over the hill and all of Egypt's armies are racing down the hill in their chariots with their swords and shields and, 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 and their archers and their horses. And, and suddenly they get anxious. I know probably none of you have ever felt that way before, but it's one thing to wait on God when nothing's happening. It's a whole other thing to wait on God when the enemy is bearing down, breathing down your neck, when the bills are due tomorrow, when the kids are. Anyway, when, 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 when the enemy is coming at you, now all of a sudden they, 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 they do what any logical person would do. They freak out. They freak out. They call out to, to Moses, their leader, and they, they like, man, God brought us out here to kill us. Like, what are we going to do? And God speaks to Moses, and he says, tell the children of Israel. He says, first of all, tell them, do not be afraid, period. So that's, that's just, you know, that's just a period. God just puts a period there. Like, uh, do not be afraid. And then he says, stand still. Stand still. Stop moving around. Stand still and see something. See the salvation of the Lord. See the salvation of the Lord. In other words, so they were, they were in agreement with God when their life was easy. God's leading us. He's led us here. He's got good plans for us. He's taking us, you know, yada, yada. They, they were in agreement with God. But as soon as they turned and saw the enemy, that agreement came into question. Is God really got good plans for you? Is he really going to lead you? any further than right here or did he bring you out here to kill you suddenly and and this is this is what happens in the very worst moments of our lives and probably the best moments of our lives the enemy is right there to translate for us what is happening to tell us what this situation says about us and about god and that is some of the greatest spiritual warfare you're ever going to face is when the enemy is telling, because if you just look at this battle from a human perspective, one, it's not even a battle, it's a slaughter. These guys, the Israelites are not armed. They're just, just a bunch of hippies out there with, their, with, their, with their, their marshmallows. Like they're not ready for war. 
This is not a battle. You have soldiers coming in to take out this whole nation of innocent people. And if you look at that from, from a physical perspective, you're going to look at it and you're going to say, man, you know what? The Israelites are under attack. And this is what happens so often. People say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm under attack. I'm just, I'm just under. The enemy's really, really fighting. I'm really under attack. And it's fine to admit when you are under attack. That's, that's okay. But what's interesting is God never says, stand still and see the attack of the Egyptians. <laughs> he never says, stand still and watch this battle that's about to take place. No. He says, stand back and see. He wants you to see something. But what he wants you to see is different than what we naturally see. Because when we look with the eyes of our body, when we look with the eyes of our flesh, we see that we are under attack. And we see that the enemy has the advantage. We see that we're in trouble. We see all of this stuff. And God doesn't even reference any of it. He says, I want you to stand back and I want you to see the salvation of the Lord. The working of God to free me from that thing which has been holding me captive. See, from earth's perspective, the Israelites were under attack. From Satan's perspective, the Israelites were under attack. Why do you think Satan stirred up Pharaoh in the first place? Because they're in a vulnerable position. He says, ha, this is great. God's got them out there camping. They're trapped. So we're going to go in and we're going to crush their spirits and possibly crush their bodies right here and now. And it's, and it's, and it's going to be game over. And what the enemy see, the enemy didn't see the salvation of the Lord. He saw an opportunity. Of course, the enemy saw the same opportunity when he saw Jesus. God come in the flesh, walking among them. God could never be killed until he came in the flesh. And the enemy saw an amazing opportunity. Look, he's vulnerable. Look, he can, he, he, like he's in one place at one time. I've never been able to even keep track of him. And there he is. Man, we can, we can nail him to a cross. This is awesome. We can, we, can, we, we can string him up. We can beat him with rods. We can beat him with a cat of nine tails. And we can pulverize. We can make him suffer so much. Make him just a spectacle in front of everybody. And then after all that, we'll kill him and bury him. And we can seal the tomb. And Satan's like, this is a great deal. We've never been able to stick God in a tomb before. He sees this amazing opportunity. And God says, just stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. Because God wanted his son to be crucified. He wanted him to be beaten because with every stripe that was on his back, Scripture says it's by his stripes we are healed. And with every stripe, diseases are being healed. With every stripe, sicknesses are being healed. With every stripe, cancer is going away. And with every blow to his head, he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. So with every hit, transgressions are being taken care of and purged and cleansed and iniquities are being dealt with and, and wounds, woundedness, woundedness inside of us is being healed. And finally, when he's made a spectacle, Jesus even told him, he said, when I am lifted up, not in worship songs, but in, on a cross, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Because when you make me a spectacle, when you make Jesus the focal point of all spiritual powers and physical realities, his attractiveness just starts drawing people to himself. 
And the love of God was not the defeat of the enemy. The love of God was put on display in front of all mankind, both, both visible and invisible spirits. He demonstrated his great love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then he buried the Son of God, which he just took a seed and put it in the ground for us. And out of that seed came new life, came the firstborn from the dead. How would we know what resurrection is if Jesus was never buried? He had to be buried. And so the enemy sees an opportunity for evil to win, and God sees a trap. And so you, you have to understand that God is sovereign. He's all-powerful. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're not talking about good versus evil. Because there is no warfare of good versus evil. Good is in charge. Good sets the rules of the game. Good determines the score at the end. <laughs> You're, you, 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 the enemy would be fighting against a God who knows what he's thinking and what he's about to think before he thinks it. So the enemy is not fighting against God. It's not good versus evil. Spiritual warfare is a war between who will be worshipped by mankind. Who will be worshipped? And that agreement is that worship. That whatever situation you're in your, in your life, whoever, whatever's bearing down on you, whatever, whatever army is coming against you, the question is not, will Satan win? Well, no, Satan cannot win. The question is, will you worship the God of heaven? Or will you really worship yourself? Which is the second part of that scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5. He says that what we're doing is we are destroying, this is how you take out strongholds, that we are destroying speculations. Speculation. What's speculation? Well, speculation is when you look at a thing and try to judge it by looking at it. And Paul said that the weapons of our warfare, uh, both uh, the authority we've been given in Christ and the agreement we have with God, what it does is it breaks the power. It destroys speculations because you got you, you, the enemy set up his stronghold in your heart because of speculations, because you looked at a thing and you speculated what was going on. And, and our weapons destroy those speculations. It breaks our looking on the outside and judging the situation. We know we are no longer in control of, of judging a situation. Rather, we're breaking down our speculations and these high lofty things that have risen up against the knowledge of God. What God knows about the situation is far more important than what you or I know about the situation. And, and when we do that, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. These thoughts we have, oh man, this, you know, this is the, this situation and that's toward the end and this is getting really bad and that'll never be any better. And all these thoughts that we have, when they are, when they are against what, what God knows, the knowledge of God, when they're against what God knows, we have, to, we have to use the weapon of agreement and decide and choose to agree with what God says about this situation. To agree with what God says about your family. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, first you have to know what God says about your family. You have to read his word, what he says about your family. And then you have to hear from his Holy Spirit to, have, to know what he says. Because it wasn't until God spoke to the Israelites that they even knew what to do. He said, stand still and see. I want you to focus on the salvation of the Lord. 
Because the enemies that you see today, you will see no longer. There are some things in your life that you see today that you'll never see again. There's some things that are temporal, some things on your line of sight that are just temporal. And if you make major decisions over things that are temporal, it's not going to work out too well for you. And so he says, I want you to see something that's more eternal. I want you to see something that's greater, that I'm doing, that I'm working in your life, that I'm working in your family, that I'm working in your kids. Sometimes moms can't live by sight. We gotta, you, gotta, you all have to live by faith because it doesn't always work out the way that you thought that it would. And sometimes even when we look in the mirror, we can't speculate what kind of parents we are. Or we wish we were better. Or we wish we had done this or done that. We start speculating over the trap that we have found ourselves in. We start speculating over the enemy who has got the supposed upper hand. And yet we serve a God who is all-powerful and sovereign. Would you just listen to what he says? Because he takes even mistakes and he uses them for his glory. He takes even mess-ups and he uses them for the miraculous. You don't have to have a perfect track record. The Israelites didn't have a perfect, they were freaking out. And God didn't rebuke them and say, well, I guess guess you can't win the battle because you didn't have enough faith. That's not how that works. At any given moment, All you need is a mustard seed worth of faith. At any given moment, you put your faith in what God says about a situation, and suddenly you have the authority and the power to do something about the situation. So moms, wherever your kids are today, (laughs) maybe they're in church, and that's awesome. Maybe they're doing great. Maybe they're far from God. That's the thing about Mother's Day. It's It's a mixed bag. It's a joyful day for those of us a, that have our moms with us. Because some of us, our moms are in heaven. Some of us, our moms have passed on. Some of us, we don't have good relationships with our moms. Some of us don't, like our moms abandoned us when we were young. Some of us, we know our moms, but we're not on speaking terms. And Mother's Day is hard for some of those reasons. Some of us, have wonderful moms and we've grown up with them and they're with us even today and that's a huge blessing. Some, some of us experience moms that were not kind, that were not an image of God. They were drunk or they were angry or they were dealing with their own thing. And what the enemy loves to do is he loves to say, see, that's, that's, that's how it is. See that? See that situation? Can you see that? And what I, what I want to encourage you to do is don't even see what the enemy sees. Why don't you see the salvation of the Lord? That whatever history you come from, whether it's uh, whatever kind of mom you might be, you might even be a stepmom. Whatever, whatever uh, we have adopted moms, we have foster moms, we have so many awesome moms in this place. But no matter how awesome you are, the enemy's always trying to lie to you and tell you. He's trying to interpret for you what you see in front of you. But the wonderful thing is that God is also trying to interpret for you what you see in front of you. He's trying to tell you what he has for you. This passage of scripture I'd like to read just to close this out, and it's an interesting story that I don't have time to preach, but I did want to reference it because it's Mother's Day, and I think spiritual warfare 
There's nothing like a, a mother who decides to agree with heaven. And there's nothing like a, a father that decides to agree with heaven for the impact this has on the home. In 2 Kings verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 20, there's a story about a mom that had a miraculous baby because of the prophet uh, who was trying to bless her. And then in verse 20, we see that they took that child who was now, he was a boy, he had grown a bit and brought him to his mother and he sat on her knees until noon and then he died. And so she had the death of a son, which some of our mothers here have suffered that as well. So what she did is she went up and laid the boy on the bed of the man of God and shut the door on him and, and she went out. And uh, she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men one of the, and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, well, why are you going to church today? Why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Now remember, she just watched her boy die. She just laid his lifeless body in a bed. And she said, it is well. Huh. Does she see what the enemy sees? <laughs> then she saddled the donkey, said to her servant, drive and go forward. Don't slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. In other words, like, put the, like get in the viper, put the pedal to the metal. And she departed. <laughs> And went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant, Gehazi, he said, look, the Shunammite woman. Now run to go meet her and say to her, is it well? Notice the word. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? He thinks something must be wrong. And so she answers Gehazi. She says, it is well. Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but, but Gehazi tried to push her away. But the man of God said, wait a minute, let her alone. Her soul is in deep distress. She's been saying all along, it is well, and her soul is in deep distress. So what I'm saying is you can have agreement with heaven and be in deep distress at the same time. You can have some dead stuff in your attic some dead things in your life, some dead dreams, some actual funerals coming home from. Your soul, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions can be in deep distress. You can, you can see the army coming after you and you can feel it in your heart. But what she says with her mouth is so important. She says, it is well. She doesn't say that I'm feeling well. <laughs> she doesn't say I'm doing well. She says, it is the situation. I believe that God is in control and I believe he is working all things together for good to those all things, all things work together, hand in hand, bad and good stuff come together. And so when I look at the situation to her husband and to Gehazi, it is well. And when she gets in the presence of the prophet, which is really symbolic of the presence of God, she says, I need you prophet tries to sing Gehazi and she says no no that's not gonna work and she 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 does spiritual warfare for her dead son which is to come into agreement with the will of God to come into alignment with the will of God and then to take authority over the situation that you are in based on what God says about a situation that's what she goes on to tell him she goes on to tell him what he had said and she brings him back so I don't know, some of us uh, are in this room, there's some stuff we need to lay a hold, we need to lay hold of God for. Both moms and dads and sons and daughters. 
to reach out to Jesus, see what he says about the situation. Would you pray with me for just, just a moment? And I'd like for us just to practice this. This is what I want you to do when you go home. But when you go home, I want you just to get into a quiet place at some point. Maybe tonight after the kids go to bed, just get in a quiet place and say, God, what do you see? Because I know what I see in my failures. I know what I see in, in, in these difficulties. I know what I see in this oppression. I know what I see in this sickness or this situation. I, I know what other people see. I know, I know what's visible on the outside. I know the speculation, but speculations lead to strongholds. And so the great question is, Lord, what do you see? What, do you, what are you doing in my life in spite of my mistakes or, you know, even using all these things together to build some, what do you see? Could be that he sees salvation. When we see strongholds, it could be that he sees salvation. When we see difficulty, it could be that he sees deliverance. And he's, he's watching. And the game he's watching is a total different game than what game we're watching. We don't see it. And so, Father, what do you see? What do you see? in my family? What do you see in my kids? What do you see in us? I pray that you would speak to City Chapel, whether they're here, whether they're watching online, whether, wherever they're at, Lord, show them what you see. We have our perspective and we, we, we see a certain way, but your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher than our ways. Both a vantage point and a qualitative point. You see, you're so much higher. You see what you're doing. And you use the efforts of the enemy for your purposes and for your plans. The enemy, you make him your servant. That's what scripture calls Satan, the servant of God. So what do you see, Lord? What do you see for City Chapel? What do you see when you see City Chapel? What do you see when you see the leadership here? What do you see when you see this building? What do you see when you see these, these people, these servants, and these volunteers? What, what do you see? Yeah. Yeah. Listen for your voice. Quiet our hearts and minds just enough to stop, stop inserting what we see all the time just ask for you to speak to us through us this week may we live with your viewpoint in Jesus name amen amen